following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Um, Luke 21, 5-19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be a dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. Before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Wow, what an inspiring reading from the scriptures today. (laughs) That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, The sermon today is entitled An Ominous Prediction because that's exactly what Jesus was giving there in that moment. Um, Now, I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, I'm I'm not going to give a full sermon about this passage of Scripture. Uh, Not because I don't dare to or don't understand it completely, um, but because I have something else that I want to spend some time talking about today. But I am not going to ignore it completely. How could you ignore a text like that completely, right? Um, Just hear those words and just say, yeah, that was interesting, and move on. (laughs) So what I have uh, for you this morning is a few uh, observations about Luke 21, 5 through 19. Um, Think of them like as concepts that might help us to interpret that passage a little bit, and possibly even find a way to apply it to our modern lives. Because remember, that is the, the point of this whole series on the road with Jesus, we're imagining ourselves all through the month of October and November um, to be on the road with Jesus as his disciples. We are travelers with the teacher. Um, And we've been thinking again and again each week as we read these gospel passages and talk about them and think about them together, how we can make, uh, make them make sense for us in the 21st century in North America uh, in a very different time and place and context than Jesus' teachings were originally given. So the main thing that I want to do with this gospel text today is to give you what I will call an interpretive principle. I don't want to get too nerdy here, but this is maybe the most important thing that I can do in a short period of time with this text, um, because we read something like that and we go, what? And that's usually as much as most of us will give it. We'll just go on to some of the nice parts. Um, but what I want to have, what I want you to leave here with um, is, is an interpretive principle. In other words, a way of understanding that, a framework or a lens 
through which we can take a passage like this and, and try to make some sense of it. So here's what I would say as a general rule or principle for when we read uh, something like this. Uh, first of all, not all of Jesus' apocalyptic prophecies relate to what we might call the end times. Right? Uh, many of the apocalyptic things that Jesus said, and this one I think is a prime example, uh, are much more sensibly, in my opinion, understood to be about something that's going to happen quite soon. In other words, Jesus' actual contemporaries, the people who heard him say it the first time, are the audience that's intended by those words. Why do I say that? Well, um, my sense is, and I've been in church a long time, so I think I have a pretty accurate sense. My sense is that within the American church uh, in the 20th and 21st century, there is a preoccupation with the with what will happen at the end, okay? Um, we're almost like some of us obsessed with that concept, much to the detriment, I'm sorry to say, of making things better and more Christ-like today and tomorrow. Right? And so there's whole cottage industries in publishing and um, all, all kinds of other areas dedicated to trying to figure out and interpret and, like, decode these very complex and cryptic uh, texts of Scripture, whether it's from, you know, something Jesus teaches or it's the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel. Uh, And I would just say that the idea that millions and millions and millions of Christians would come and go over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years just so that we should be the ones to see all these things come to fruition or to have all of these things apply to us specifically, that strikes me as an extremely self-centered and short-sighted way of interpreting the Bible. So right here, just in this text, you have some clues that I think ought to tip us off, that this is not really like about some distant future. It's about maybe a short-term future. The idea that, you, that, that Jesus' followers would be dragged into synagogues, okay? Whatever... Um, Whatever persecution the church is experiencing globally right now, and not very much in our country, um, sorry to disappoint people who, <laughs> who have that martyr complex, um, but it is true that in the global context, Christians are being persecuted. But the way they're being persecuted is generally not to be dragged into a synagogue. That was a very um, kind of contemporary concept that Jesus' original followers had to, to be thinking about, right? So that's a clue. Um, the fact that he's warning some of them that they're going to be martyred, they're going to lose their life for their faith, it's not that nobody's martyred Nowadays, for, for the Christian faith, that does happen still. Um, but the people he's talking to, his immediate disciples, we know that they were martyred. We even know how some of them were martyred. Um, all, of the, all of the original apostles, uh, except John, if memory serves, and seminary was a long time ago, but I think memory does serve, um, were executed in one way or another. They, they were truly martyred. John just got exiled. So to sum up my interpretive principle number one, <laughs> it's not all about you, <laughs> okay. right? Um, or a less charitable person might say, get over yourself. <laughs> but that does not mean that these prophecies that we find in the Bible, whether they are already fulfilled or whether they will be fulfilled in some distant future that we won't be part of uh, in the way we're part of the present, it doesn't mean that they have nothing to teach us for the present. See, that's the false choice. The false choice is either it matters in this apocalyptic way or it doesn't matter at all. I would say it matters to us, but just in a different way. 
So uh, there there are some general concepts here that Jesus is giving his disciples that we could still try to live by in our modern context as we imagine ourselves to be followers of Jesus much the same way that his original disciples were. So just a, a quick little rundown of what you might find in this particular story that could apply to you. Number one is that you might be well served to expect some resistance to the expression and living out of your Christian faith. It may not come at the same type of cost or pain that the original disciples felt. It may not come at the same cost that um, present-day disciples feel in other parts of the world. Okay, um, But you could expect some resistance to, to your faith, particularly when you start to let it inform the way you uh, interact with the systems and structures of the world. Right? You, may, uh, you may experience some family dissonance as a result of expressing your Christian faith in a particular way. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. That might be real and true for you in some way. So that's a generalized principle, right? It doesn't, it doesn't apply in the exact same way that it applied for Jesus' original disciples, but it might apply to you. Another one is to trust the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is meaning, I think, when he says, don't prepare your defense in advance. You're going to end up in court defending yourself for your faith, or in the synagogue defending yourself for your faith. Don't prepare it in advance. I will give you the words you need at the time, right? I, I, I pair that with his promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and take it to mean that the Spirit will give them the words that they need when the time comes. And I think the same is true for us today, even though we're probably not going to be dragged into court uh, to defend our faith. The Holy Spirit is here for you to uh, defend your faith as it might be appropriate for you to do so in your context. And maybe that's in, you know, in a conversation with a friend or a coworker who's like, Really? Christianity? You? You know, some of you are scientists. Some of you uh, work in, in professions or fields or live in neighborhoods where you know, the idea that a, a, a reasonable, intelligent person could actually be a dedicated, devout Christian is a foreign concept. And it's part of your job to disabuse people of that notion. And that's sort of the defense of the faith that, faith that you might be called to make. The Spirit is there for you the same way it was there for those disciples being dragged before the, the courts. And then even more than that, I think that we can all trust in the good outcome. By your endurance, you will gain your souls, the passage concludes today. Even says before that, not a hair on your head will be harmed, which doesn't seem to jive very well with the idea that some of them might lose their life. So that must mean something different too. And what I think it probably means is that every little thing is going to be all right. (laughs) Like There is a future, there is an end where things are made completely right. And it is everybody's duty to try to pull that future closer to the present. But if you don't get to see it to its completion in your time, you still get to see it. That's the promise that I think Jesus is giving his disciples. And I think that includes us too. And then finally, um, before I move on to the other thing I want to talk about today, here's a general principle that might apply to uh, present-day Christians in, I don't know, say... Southeast Rochester. All religious structures, all houses of worship are temporary. Every temple, every synagogue, every church, every mosque, someday 
will cease to exist. The Temple of Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. That's part of how we know that what Jesus was talking about was like an immediate prophecy, not a super-duper future one, right? The temple, not one stone will be left on another, was what he said. That was true within a few decades of him saying those words. Actually, also true of every house of worship, including this one. We don't have very many stones here, but the principle holds true. See, the problem wasn't that the Israelites were overly materialistic with all the gold in their, their place. It wasn't that they had wrong-headed ideas about worship that needed to be removed. We all face the same temptations and misconceptions that they faced. We all have the tendency to put all of our trust in the thing that's very immediate to us, to put all of our trust in the studs and the drywall, rather than in the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit that unites us. As one of our founding pastors, Brian Hake, was fond of saying almost every week when he would do the dismissal, these walls, this place, this is not the church. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church together. The church is the body of Christ. It's the, it's the human beings that come. It's the souls that worship in this place, week in and week out. And when I say to you at the end of the service, or whoever does the benediction, go be the church in the world, that's what we mean. The building is just, just wood. So we, we have a couple of special guests with us today. I want to say hello to uh, Rob Hall and Dan Walter, who are sitting right in the middle of our room here today. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. Um, Dan works in the Great Lakes Conference of the ECC, uh, and Rob is the Vice President at National Covenant Properties, which is the um, lending arm of our denomination. Is that an accurate way to say that, Rob? All right. Uh, and Rob has uh, actually quite a long history with Artisan Church. He's been here alongside us many times over the years, helping us to take the next step together as a, as a church. Uh, and the reason I mention that is because Rob said something to us years ago, when we were first getting started, that has stuck with me uh, ever since. And he said it in the context of us thinking about whether it, was the, whether it was right for us to purchase this building or to worship in this building in the first place, whether it was right for us to kind of like expand it and spend money and raise money and borrow money to do all the work. And he, what he said is the, the building is just a tool for you to do the job that God has called you to do as a church. Right? Let me say that again. The building is just a tool that we use to do the work that God has called us as a church. Uh, And in the context of those conversations, of course, the question was, is it the right tool? And we determined that, yes, it's the right tool to do the work that God has called us to do as a church. And here we are. And that leads me to what I want to spend a little bit more time on today, which is a conversation uh, and an update about all that's going on in our building, about this big construction project that uh, may seem like it's dragging on. Now, I'm not actually sure that the idea that one day no stone will be left on another (laughs) is the right window into a discussion about the... (laughs) It maybe is not the most reassuring segue, (laughs) but maybe it is, because it is a reminder of what really matters the most, isn't it? So you can't miss it, Um, even if it's your first time here today or your first time in weeks or months here today. Uh, You see what's going on here, and I've noticed some of you peering through the windows or through the cracks over there or, uh, you know, 
trying to make sense of the vinyl poster in the main hallway that, that shows everything that's happening uh, in our project here. Uh, and who knows what you had to walk across to get into the building today? Um, I actually do know because I, <laughs> I went, oh shoot, and went out there and tried to shovel it this morning, but uh, didn't actually do a great job. Um, I've been working from home <laughs> a lot recently and uh, haven't been over here to see. And we got hit by some snow. We, were, <laughs> we had this little work day uh, not long ago, and Doug, our facilities manager, was like, we should put the stakes in for the snow plows. <laughs> and we're like, no, not yet. Don't worry about that. Uh. Anyway, as the weeks have, uh, have passed by and summer travel is well behind us, um, We've all, I think, begun to notice the, the impact um, of not having any space to do like extra um, separate children's ministry on Sundays. And um, maybe it's starting to feel a little bit like the old woman who lived in a shoe. Right? <laughs> I wrote that in my notes and I'm like, ah, what is that from? And I, I did a Google search and, uh, and it's an old nursery rhyme and it turns out it doesn't actually end well for the children, so... <laughs> Just don't, 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 don't assume all the rest of that. Just, you know, it's like we're all kind of here together in this tiny little space that feels tinier and tinier by the minute sometimes. Uh, and it might, it might be getting sort of difficult for us. Uh, and in fact, I know it is getting sort of difficult for us. And it's difficult for all different groups of people, right? It's difficult for the kids. How many of you kids, if you are actually listening to me right now, are bored to tears and wish that you could have been in a classroom this morning with a... With a hey, you don't have to raise your hand quite so fast, but you know... Um, it's difficult for parents who are like, oh, it was really nice before when there was a few minutes of time. When, you know what I'm saying. It's difficult for people who don't have kids, single people, couples without kids who maybe are not used to that level of, um, you know, presence. Um, <coughs> that they're not used to that much joy. Thank you. That's a good way of putting it. So I thought that <laughs> here we are on the, uh, uh, the, the last day of the Christian year is next Sunday. And we'll be uh, celebrating the Feast of the Reign of Christ, right? That's just a word. There's not going to be a feast. It's just, you know, Christ the King Sunday. Let's just go with that. And then after that, we zoom off into Advent and Christmas. So I thought this was probably our best opportunity for a while to spend some time talking and thinking together about where we find ourselves. And so I want to start with a reminder of why, why we're doing this. In other words... What is this tool all about for the ministry that we're doing? So this is, this is the interactive portion of our, uh, of our sermon this morning. So somebody shout out a reason why we're doing this. What's one of the things we're doing that, we're, that, that was the reason? Accessibility. Accessibility. Thank you. Right. So eventually the, the sidewalk will be connected to this new entrance right out here. There will be some motorized entry doors. That will be really awesome, right? Uh, and eventually this, these, these restrooms over here will be great. And guess what? Every single one of those restrooms is identical to the others um, and fully wheelchair accessible, all the rest of it. Thank you. Accessibility. Great. What else? Yes, that's right. So uh, one of our partnerships uh, with local organizations is RAIN, Rochester Area Interfaith Hospitality Network. And our hope is that rather than just supporting another congregation that's housing uh, families who are in housing crisis, we might even be able to be the host congregation because we'll have more rooms and one of those restrooms even has a shower attached to it, which would make us like the best, not the best, you know, but you know what I'm saying. What else? What's, what's the why? Yes, right. So the other thing about these restrooms is that they will have no gender attached to them. So every person who comes to worship at our Artisan Church will feel equally comfortable in any one of the restrooms right now. Uh, and that's very important to us. 
um, as we reach out uh, and try to welcome uh, all people, including people who are transgender or non-binary, um, who maybe have a, a very difficult experience when they go to a place with only gendered restrooms. Thank you. Every single one of those is identical to the others. Yes? You are children for square foot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is, a, that is a very precisely mathematical way to describe that. Yes. Fewer children per square foot. <laughs> yes. More square foot per child. That's a good way to put it, too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. Um, yeah. So we'll have more classroom space and bigger classroom space, and the kids are going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Offices for our pastors. Offices for our pastors, uh, including me and including Pastor Jesse, and there's even a third office for maybe some future where there's a, there's a need for an additional uh, workspace for a person who's on staff here or who's working here um, in some fashion. Yeah, I'm already, uh, I, I was really excited to come back from my sabbatical and walk right into that beautiful new office uh, in September. <laughs> that didn't quite happen exactly that way, but... What else? What have we missed? More community service space, right? So there's more... Sorry? A youth room. Yes, we've actually got some youths with us now, right? They're getting older and older and older, and some of them have an uh, ager, a teenager at the end of their name, right? So that's good. All right. So there's lots of good reasons for, for why we're doing this. Um, and it's exciting to think about those things, and it's important to remember them so that when we're experiencing the pain points, uh, we, have, we at least know why, right? So let's talk for a minute about the pain points. What's... What's something you've experienced here recently that's kind of made you go, oh, how long, oh Lord, will you turn your face from me forever? Yeah, right. There's a little bit of noise in the room. Yes, even right now as we speak. And that can be, uh, that can be distracting. And it's not because any human being who makes noise, regardless of their age, is a, is a less important person. It's just a little different from what we're used to, right? And... Uh, everybody is sort of affected differently by different levels of distraction. Um, but I would say uh, the average distraction per person, <laughs> to use a, a, a Ken Tryon mathematical formula, <laughs> is a little bit higher these days. Yes, thank you. What else? Cold. The cold. Did you say cold? Yes. Yeah. A cold or old would have been... Uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, especially in the uh, bathrooms right now, which typically are serviced by a furnace that's not in service right now. So if you need to go use the bathrooms, uh, expect a cold experience. Yeah. yeah that's, and, and even the hallway, we were just noticing, is, is pretty chilly right now because it's just overworked, uh, the systems, while, while there's all this extra cold space there. Yeah? Cold. What else? <laughs> yes, unusual interior design, yes. Well, you don't like the particle board there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so one of our foundational values is beauty, right? Um, that's not particularly beautiful, is it? Yes, fair. Fair. How many of you just kind of, just kind of feel tired of it? Just kind of wish it was over or done with, right? I certainly feel that way, yeah. Thank you, yeah. It's okay to feel that way. Yeah, right. So there's, that we have to kind of keep an extra close watch on, on the kids because there are some areas of the facility that are not really safe for children to be in right now. So we've got to make sure that we're 
watching out for them and for each other. Yeah, thank you. What about, do you look around on Sundays and, and notice that somebody who used to be here regularly isn't here anymore, or at least not as regularly? I think that there is a, you know, not a giant group of people, but a, a significant group of people who have just, for the season that we're in right now, decided that it's too much. They've just sort of opted out of being here for the time being. I don't blame those folks one little bit. And if you're, if you're one of them and listening to this on the podcast right now, uh, curled up in your warm bed with some hot chocolate or whatever, um, please know that your church still loves you very much and we are eager to see you again and we understand that it's just maybe too much at some times uh, for some folks. We really do miss those, those folks who aren't here though, don't we? And so one of the things I'd like to ask you to do is to reach out to your, your artisan network people and just kind of, you know, maybe just bring it up and have a, have a conversation about where things are at and say, hey, it's looking really cool. You should come by and check it out at least for a few minutes and, um, and maybe help them to be hopeful about the future at Artisan, which is actually what I want to talk about next. What I want to reassure you all of is this. This will be done. It will be finished. It will finish later than we want, but sooner than we think. Right? Um, this is actually something that people who live in Rochester are well equipped to understand. Uh, especially as we experience February and November right now. Um, isn't February just the worst? February is the worst, no matter what month it happens in. <laughs> right? And sometimes... February is happening in March, or even April. February and November is bad enough, but February and April is really bad. And if you've lived in Rochester any length of time, you, you know, I'm going to be eating kettle corn at the Lilac Festival. I'm, it's going to happen. It's going to be warm-ish. I'm going I'm to be out there smelling the blooms, or at least, <laughs> at least feeling the raindrops, yes. At least it won't be snow, right? Um, it's coming. So I encourage you to, to hold on and uh, do your best. I totally understand if it's hard to kind of be here as regularly as maybe you would normally have been. I totally understand if, if you're here and you feel frustrated like you can't hear the sermon and you can't engage anyway. Um, y- your, your presence is valued and valuable. We're grateful to have you here. I understand to the kids who may be listening to me, this is not ideal for you to have to sit here with the same busy bag that you've been sitting with for, you know, three months or whatever. Um, but pretty soon there's going to be a great place for you to have an awesome experience with your friends and with your, uh, the teachers and volunteers in those classes. So hang in there, uh, Artisan. We're going we're gonna to get through it quickly. Quick, not as quick as we want, but quicker than you might think. So, lastly... I want to give you a little call to action about a couple of things. One um, is that if, you, if this is your church home fairly recently, first of all, nice job. <laughs> this is a weird time in our life for you to have said, yep, I'm in. <laughs> that says a lot about you um, and maybe something about the, the good people that you found around you here at Artisan. So if you're newer to this and you haven't uh, heard the, the financial pitch, the, the truth is that this, this project costs money. 
um, a pretty good deal of it. And so you can get involved in that way. If you, ha- if you haven't started giving regularly to Artisan, but you do feel like it's your church home, now's the time. It, it, there is never a better time than right now to start doing that. And uh, you can be part of, of that process. We raised some money at the beginning, at the front end, to kind of try to make the, the first part of the project go more smoothly. Um, but the next step of paying for it is going to be um, over the next 20 years. <laughs> at least that's the terms of the loan. We hope, of course, to pay it off more quickly than that. Uh, but the point is, um, we, are, we are ready to start uh, paying more for a mortgage, for a building that serves our needs and is a much better tool for the ministry that we're called to do. Uh, and you can be part of that. And if you're, if you're not yet, um, I, 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 there's no shame in me saying to you, uh, we're ready for that, um, and it's a good time for you to do that. If you've been giving all along, uh, and you've gotten 12 raises in the last two years, or if you're one of those lucky people, and haven't, haven't increased your giving, now's a great time to do that as well. Um, but, more to the specific point of when this project might wrap up, one of the ways that we hope to save money on this project is by doing some painting ourselves, right? Um, and we could save, it's hard to know exactly how much, but we could save in the neighborhood of $10,000 potentially by doing um, a good deal of painting when the time comes. Now, it's not ready for paint. There's no insulation between the studs. There's no drywall. <laughs> um, it's not ready for paint yet, but it will be ready for paint sooner than we think. It's, it's kind of hard to predict, especially given the, the weather we've had over the last week, but we could be looking at painting would you say, it's safe to say January-ish, Dan? Early to mid-January. Early to mid-January, we could be ready to put together a painting crew. Um, and so that's a way that you can kind of make this thing a reality and, uh, and invest in your church community. Um, and it's, it's a way that not everybody maybe can be involved in, but lots of people can be involved in that step of uh, the process. And so if it's helpful to you to think about the idea that this project will be ready for paint within a few weeks of Christmas. That's a, that's a good encouragement, I think. So get it. Paint, that's right. That, that's, thank you. That's the point. This is kind of burned into my head from numerous conversations over the year. But paint is one of the last things. Thank you, Dan, for making the point that I should have made all along. Once the paint is on, we're real close to, to having a grand opening uh, special party event, right? Uh, so be encouraged and get excited um, and share that excitement with your networks and the people who you know around you uh, because um, this is, this is going to be ready to go before you know it. And I'm really excited uh, for you and for me and for all of us. I'm thankful to you for the patience that you've shown during this, this season that's, that has gone longer than we wanted it to. But in conclusion, I just want you to remember why this matters and what matters and what doesn't matter. Remember, all of the, every single penny that we, that we poured into this project, every nail that goes into any stud, every piece of drywall that goes on the walls, every shingle on the roof, every door that's hung on a hinge, every toilet that's installed on a flange, that is now the, uh, the, the end and maybe just a little bit past the end of my knowledge of construction. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that every single piece of this project is designed to make Artisan Church a place where more people can have a fuller experience of encountering God. 
Oh, that's a great question. Where will we pee next month? <laughs> Thank you for asking. I wasn't going to go into that, but I would be happy to. Um, right where we do now for a while, and then eventually in one or two partially finished restrooms that are closed in and have the fixtures, but maybe not the paint on them and flooring and all that stuff. And likely for a short period of time, at home before you get here, <laughs> or possibly in a portable uh, outdoor space just outside the, the hallway there. Yes, That is a reality that we might be facing, and the reason that we are willing to face that reality is because it shaves a lot of time off the total project if we don't have to completely finish one part of restrooms before we completely remove all the others. And once again, I'm sort of at the boundaries of my understanding of, of how the project is sequenced, but um, that's the reality that we might be facing sometime before Christmas. As early as Thanksgiving weekend. As early as Thanksgiving weekend. Could start. Dot, dot, dot. Could, could start a week or so after that, and it will likely last two to three weeks. Right, so two weeks, maybe three uh, of that experience. Um, that might be in our future. And then we might have another conversation about what are the things that have been difficult for you recently? <laughs> Thank you for that great question, Stephanie. Um, but again, all of the things that we're doing, all of the pain points that we're experiencing, they are with a purpose. And that purpose is to make our church community more welcoming to more people so that they can have... Um, and experience with God, that they can encounter God, embrace people, and engage culture in the way of Jesus, which is the mission that we were called to um, 15 years plus ago, and the mission that we believe we're still called to today. Um, and yes, this building is a big part of that. It's a major tool that we use to do the job God called us to. But this building, these walls, it's not the church. You are. I am. We are. The church is the body of Christ. The, the souls that come to worship in this place and who carry the gospel out into the world, God's good news and God's good love uh, into all the places you go when you leave this place. And so let's keep all those things in mind uh, as we uh, get through these next, these last few months of uh, construction and project. Um, so let's pray together. God, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this really weird passage of Scripture uh, and a chance to engage with it and help us to remember the words of Jesus, how they might apply to us and how they might not exactly apply to us in the same way they meant to his original audience. Um, we pray that the Holy Spirit would be present with us just as the Spirit was present with the original disciples of Jesus in all the things that we face. And we pray that you would continue to give us patience and forbearance as this project concludes here at this, uh, this house of worship. Help us always to remember that someday, not one stone will be left on another, that this is a temporary experience, but also that it's a very important one and a, and a major part of how we are going to do the work that you've called us to do. Help us to remember those things and to live into them each time we're here. Uh, and as we leave as well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to sing another song or two together, and uh, we'll take communion together as well.
our response uh, to hearing the word proclaimed and uh, even to reflecting on what it means to be the church is always to come to the table of Jesus. And the communion table at Artisan is open to all who seek to find him here. You don't have to be a member of our church or of any church. You simply uh, should be desiring to know him more and to follow him. And if Jesus were here and laying a table for you and a dinner and invited you to it, and your answer to that dinner invitation would be yes, then this is an appropriate sacrament for you to engage in. So you can come to the table. Uh, We have regular bread and gluten-free bread. We have juice and wine. There's a number of options and combinations. Um, You know, choose the one that's best for you. But it's all the same sacrament. May it be for you the real presence of Christ the Savior. As you take the bread, may you remember his body, which is broken for you. As you dip it in one of the cups, may you remember his blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. May it be an act of unity with each other, and may it be food for your hungry and weary souls. Uh, There's a member of the prayer team at the back of the room who'd be happy to pray with you during this time if you'd like to receive prayer. So let's continue to worship God in song, in prayer, and in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Our table is open. Come if you will. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.